Since 2010, many of us Montana residents, business owners, sportsmen and women, and conservationists join forces under the banner of Montanans for Healthy Rivers to identify and conserve the last best free-flowing rivers in Montana. Some of the greatest river stewards and boots on the ground helping to protect our rivers day in and day out are guides. From a guiding perspective, I can tell you that sustainability and preservation is my ultimate goal. My name is Kinsley Scott. I'm a Montana native and guide, and I have been with Montanans for Healthy Rivers for years now. Welcome to River Ramble Guides Edition. In this series, we will hear from guides and outfitters from across the state in various regions of the proposed grassroots legislation Montanans for Healthy Rivers Coalition is currently fighting for. The Crown of the Continent proposal would protect 200 river miles in the heart of Montana, and the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act would preserve an additional 336 miles of river within the pristine Greater Yellowstone ecosystem. In part one of our three-episode mini-series on the Smith and its prolific tributary, the Tenderfoot, we are joined by a Montana legend, Mike Geary. Mike has built his life and business around the Smith River, and he shares his love for this special area of the world. He is here to advocate for this fragile ecosystem and shares why wild and scenic protection could save the Smith. Well, Mike, how are you? Uh, I'm doing excellent. Got plenty of snow on the ground and uh, life's good. Wonderful. And how is everything down in Twin Bridges these days? Uh, Twin Bridges is great. So Madison County, we have 40,000 cows, 7,500 people, and no stoplights. And these are all considered <laughs> virtues. Absolutely. That's the true true Montana picture right there, right? Yeah, and you know, and that's uh that idea of Montana is diminishing. Agreed, but hopefully there's still gems like that to be found. So for this three part mini series, we journey down one of the most coveted rivers in the world. The Smith River is a Montana icon and is known for its remote yet connected pristine ecosystem. Not only is the Smith up for wild and scenic protection, so is one of its most prolific spawning tributaries, the Tenderfoot. Balancing many different uses, this river is one of the most threatened and equally one of the most important rivers to all Montanans. And today we are joined by Mike Geary, a longtime outfitter and owner of Healing Waters Lodge. Mike is the largest outfitter on the Smith and has personally completed this journey over 200 times. He is here to take us down from the put-in at Camp Baker to the mouth of the Tenderfoot, which is about 17 miles, where this protection on the Smith would begin. So, Mike, for those that don't know you, can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself? Well, I uh, have been guiding and outfitting on the Smith for uh, 40 years now, and uh, I pretty much got here by uh, a life of uh, remarkable underachievement. So <laughs> my idea of the dream job was always to be on a guide on the Smith River. And when they first started to uh, regulate the river, which was in the early 90s, I was fortunate enough to, uh, the person I was working for, uh, buy his business in 1993. And then we just kept adding on trips. So today we have 26 of the 73 commercial trips down the Smith River, and it is uh, 
more more richer, uh, a deeper experience, and more fun than when I first started. That's fantastic. It it really does. It's it it's a river that never gets old. No, entirely, and it's also you know forty years ago, Montana wasn't as it was it was not chic. Uh, Mm-hmm. You, you go to Montana now has gated communities. Uh, you couldn't imagine that 40 years ago. You wouldn't have an, you didn't know what a gated community was, and you didn't know anybody that would live there. And so all all of that has changed. So the Smith River, especially the experience of going down, the, making a semi wilderness trip for five days, is is a unique experience not only for Montana but for the rest of the United States. They just don't make canyons like this anymore. So that's why it's more crucial than ever to protect something or else it'll disappear. I agree, and we can't let that happen. And let me ask you, Mike, when does your season on the Smith begin, and kind of what does that look like? We'll start going down the Smith in May. The peak time to float the Smith is June, and then sometime in July, we just run out of water and you can't get down there anymore. So outside of June, we would uh, describe that as high risk, high reward as far as a fishing venue. And also in, in May, and some people start going down in April, you, you can butt up against uh, winter quite a bit. I mean, we've had quite a few trips where we get caught in snowstorms. And in May and the, actually even the first part of June. And then by July, uh, the water just starts to disappear. Yeah, I'm I'm usually on the Smith in May. And, man, the weather can be beautiful or it can be formidable, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a real dicey time of year to go. But it, there's no bad. I've never had a bad trip on the Smith. They've always been memorable. They've always been fun. It's just a great overall experience. Agreed. Even if it's blown out, it's still still a trip worth taking, that's for sure. Totally agree. So if you're waiting for the weather to cooperate with you in Montana, you got a long wait. You know, you got to go for it. <laughs> Agreed. We can get snow in July, so. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, and too hot, too windy. You know, we live in a state... Uh, well, we live in the in you know we live in extreme weather. So, Mike, for this mini series, we are doing things a little bit differently. So, for listeners that aren't familiar with this area, I was wondering if you could give us a geographic location of where the Smith headwaters. Well, if you go 90 miles north of Bozeman, that's the headwaters of the Smith. If you go 90 miles east of Helena. That's the headwaters of the Smith. And if you go 90 miles southeast of Great Falls, you're at the Smith. So the the beauty of the Smith, it's really, it's away from everything. And so it comes out of the Castle Mountains. And, you know, the top part of the Smith River is like so many other streams. It starts as a trickle and starts building up some momentum the farther you go downstream. Uh, In the first part, last part of May or the first part of June, when you get runoff, you know, it can be a really a major water river carrying a lot of water. But by the time the runoff ends and you start moving into July and August, it, it goes down to a trickle. So the challenge for the Smith, like every other 
river in the state is how do you get how do you, how can you create more net water and more cold water and, and that's uh that's a challenge yes absolutely and the reason why i ask about the headwaters is not only are they so hugely important to any river system but really I wanted to bring that in, even though the protection, the wild and scenic protection that we're talking about here today doesn't start until the mouth of the Tenderfoot. It is just truly such a special river. I wanted to encompass it entirely to further its importance. So with all that said, let's talk about the float itself. Can you give us a location of where the launch site, Camp Baker, is located in the world? Yeah, Camp Baker is 25 miles west of White Sulphur Springs. So you go on a, headed out of White Sulphur Springs, you're on a pavement for, oh, 12 or 15 miles, and you're going to see a sign saying Camp Baker, and you take a right-hand turn on a dirt road, and you go another uh, 12 miles down, and you'll end up in Camp Baker. And then that's, you'll start to see uh, the signs of the canyon starting to build up. So you come out of the prairie, and at Camp Baker, you'll see the beginnings of the uh, of the Smith River Canyon. That by the time you hit the Tenderfoot, you're in the heart of the canyon, and then you've got these 500 foot cliff walls that uh, are a citadel for the river. Yes, they definitely. It's a humbling experience the first time experiencing those those walls. It really puts things into perspective how insignificant we can feel sometimes. <laughs> well, and I think that's accurate. And I think that's one of the the things about the, the Smith that gives it uh, its, its significance is that you realize that you're in a place that's greater than yourself. And the mm-hmm. people that are going down the river with you, I mean, that's, that's a common a- attribute, that there's something bigger than the individual. And hence, that's one of the reasons why you become an advocate in trying to protect protect this thing. You know, as you're, as you're floating downstream uh, and you go day after day and you're disconnected from uh, TV and cell phones and computers, you re- you're realizing that there isn't anything worth jeopardizing this special river. I couldn't agree more. And so kind of talking more about that, if we were to launch at Camp Baker could you describe or explain some of the tributaries that flow into the Smith above the Tenderfoot and maybe some significance to spawning? The main tributary stream upstream of, of the Tenderfoot is Rock Creek. And, and Rock Creek is a, a, a very small little creek with a significantly large number of trout that is a crucial element to making the Smith River a healthy fishery. Mm-hmm. And that would also could be said for the, the Tenderfoot. Those are the two main tributaries on the Smith River. Yes, and speaking to fish, what fish species are on the Smith? It's, it's, it's rainbow and brown trout. And depending on where you are in the canyon, and there's more rainbow trout in the upper part of the canyon. And then the lower part of the canyon, you'd be dominated by more brown trout. Yes. And so let me ask you, Mike, this is kind of the million-dollar question here. Why is, and it's a loaded one, why is this area 
of the world special to you? Well, I mean, the Smith River for me gave me a better life. I mean, it was a real introduction for me 40 years ago into fly fishing and, uh, and an outdoor experience. And, you know, with time, uh, I realized how important that experience is. It is. And there isn't, uh, there just aren't that many places on the planet that you can uh, disconnect and kind of be immersed in, in a world greater than yourself. You know, that has a lot of significance. When I first started to go down the Smith River, you know, you, you're, you're getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning, you're fishing till 10 o'clock at night, and everything is fish-centric. And as I got older, you know, it's not, it's less about the fish, and it's more about the soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I could not agree with that more. That's a beautiful way of putting it, for sure. So, Mike, how do you share important conservation issues facing Montana and particularly the Smith with clients? I mean, I know when you're on the river, it's a pretty easy platform to get some big ticket items across. Well, again, my my, my experience in Montana, the single strongest voice for conservation for water and trout is Trout Unlimited. And that's on a lake, uh, local and a state level. So the state board, Trout Unlimited, they have uh, some full-time people that approach their job and their advocacy with uh, a religious fervor in maintaining what Montana has to offer. So what year is it? It's 2021 now. You know, when you come at this thing, if you were 20 years ago, you know, we want the fishing to be better today than it was 20 years ago. Trout Unlimited mm-hmm. assists us in doing that. Plus, they have the institutional knowledge. After fighting a lot of battles, they, you need that institutional knowledge when you're you're addressing these things that you can go back and say, okay, how did we handle such and such a problem? And you have that experience that hopefully, at least to attempt a positive outcome. I mean, uh, trying to find water in the state of Montana and gain water, uh, the competition for that increases every year. It doesn't diminish. So if you want, if if you believe in Montana's past and its its future, you know, you've got to fight like hell to maintain that. There's a lot of lost battles and a lot of skirmishes. But, you know, again, the great thing about Trout Unlimited it was around 40 years ago. It was around 20 years ago. That's around today, and it's going to be around tomorrow to fight those battles. Agreed. And, you know, as guides, we, too, have an obligation to our resources to take care of them. And not only that, too, Trout Unlimited, an amazing organization, it, too, is a collective effort from all walks of life and all Montanans. Very wise words. No, I, no, I, I agree. Uh, you know, I mean, as as an outfitter that makes a living off of this, you know, uh, you get the opportunity to stand up and be counted for what you stand for. You know, mm-hmm. that one, that I was here, that you, that you participated, you know, what the hell, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. It's that you're, you know, you're involved and you're engaged. That's what counts. Agreed. Absolutely. So, 
Mike, if this bill is passed, wild and scenic protection for the Smith and the Tenderfoot, how do you see this area benefiting from the protection? I think you maintain the integrity of that river. I mean, there's hell, there's there's all kinds of places for growth and gated communities and golf courses, and the, just the Smith is not one of those places. So you, you're maintaining kind of you're maintaining a historical quality. It reminds us of our past and what that has to offer. And there's some mm-hmm. validity in that experience to be able to go down a river in a semi-wilderness situation that you cannot duplicate, you cannot manufacture, you cannot commercialize. I mean, it comes, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something natural and comes easy, and you have to maintain that. It's a, it's a fragile, unique quality. Absolutely. And, yeah, they're surely not making any more Smiths. That's for, that's for damn sure. The citizens of Montana, you know, realize that. Uh, you know, what is that when people would ask about the Smith River, you know, my I would say, talk to anybody in Montana, any fly shop in Montana, call FWP in Montana and ask about mm-hmm. the Smith River because that's the most desirable float uh, for the state of Montana, and Montanans hold that dear to them. The reason why the Smith mm-hmm. River is a successful program is because the citizens of Montana accepted restrictions on themselves to say, okay, we can't, there are only so many floats that we can go down, but the river is so special, we're going to have to restrict ourselves in order to maintain its value. And that value isn't a financial value. You know, that's an, that's an emotional value and attachment they have to the river itself. Right. It is invaluable, and it, you can't, you can't uh, try to even put a value on it at the same time. Yeah, it can't duplicate it. Yeah. Yes, agreed. So I was wondering if you could share the short of a long version of one of your favorite Stories from the Smith. God, Miley. Uh, I'm going to say when I first started. So I got on the Smith River. I was working on a cattle ranch. I mean, I, I was a ranch hand and a guide, and the the person I was working for enabled me to buy into this the Smith River. And so finally, I was running the Smith River trips myself, and I wasn't used to. Uh, dealing with people or being responsible or accountable or leaving people. And when, you know, the the people that guided with me uh, just did such a great job and really kind of uh, enabling me to kind of mature. And when you get off uh, the Smith, you're at the Eden Bridge. And the Smith River from a commercial uh standpoint, the people that work for us, they're up in the morning, they're working at six o'clock in the morning, and they're working until nine o'clock at night. And it doesn't matter what the weather conditions are. You know, they're just busting their ass to do the right thing and to do what's needed. And so I'm watching them wash the boats. And it's the first time, uh, really, that I watch somebody working for me and just giving you their heart and soul, and that to me was the Smith River, and why I liked it. I have li- I have not liked the people that have worked with me on the Smith River. I mean, 
I love the people that I have gotten to know mm-hmm. and meet. They have just enhanced my whole life. And they're especially Agreed. a guide and gear boater that goes down the Smith River. So I'll tell the story is that people we get, uh, people say, I'd like to work on the Smith River, and, you know, and what do I need to do and blah, blah, blah. So you hire different people. But uh, my line is we could hire somebody like Saddam Hussein. And Saddam Hussein is going down the river for the first day. And when he gets off, I could say, well, how did Saddam do? And they could say, God, he's got some crazy ass political views. But, you know, he worked hard. He worked his ass off. I'd go down the river with him. That's the clue (laughs) that holds all that together. And so the friendships you make on that, doing those trips, I mean, uh, they're, they're, they're forged. In, in labor and uh, being in being able to depend on the guy next to you to get you downstream, it's really terrific. It really is, and it's some of my favorite, you know, guide memories. And like you said, even if the weather, if it's hailing sideways, guides don't care, clients don't care. Just being there is such a special experience. That's wonderful. Well, it's also, you know, looking at the person next to you and saying, hey, we're going to get through this, and we're going to get through this in style. <laughs> Might be cold and wet, but we're going to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. So lastly, Mike, if you had a message for folks right now or could encourage others listening to take action for the Smith and the Tenderfoot, what would that be? Well, I would say write your write your legislature. You know, let your let. Let your lawmakers, let them know your passions and your concerns. I mean, the, the bottom line in, in who we are as citizens, we're still the sovereign body. And these representatives need to know our concerns on how to act. So make sure your voice is known. I love that. Wise words. Oh, thank you. Thank you. From all of us here at Montanans for Healthy Rivers, thank you for tuning in. If you would like to learn more about the Crown of the Continent proposal, the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act, and to join our efforts, please visit healthyriversmt.org to add your endorsement.